Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now. Hello, Birmingham. Are you ready for the second half of The Guilty Feminist? Then welcome to the stage, Deborah Frances White. Hello, Birmingham. You're back. You're back in your seats. Um, just to be clear, where's Robert? Robert? Did you, did you come back, Robert? If you, if you love a Robert, let him go. If he comes back, he's yours. If he doesn't, lock the doors. Um, excellent. Um, now, somebody else wanted to tell us down the front about a feminist thing Robert could help with. What was your thing? I'm going to give you the microphone. One second. What's your name? Imogen. Um, it's in Wolverhampton. Is that all right? That's like a 20 minute. Give me the microphone back. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, what a joke. These people aren't messing with Wolverhampton. Of course you can talk about Wolverhampton. Thank you. Um, I'm not running it, I'm just um, going tomorrow. It's um, like packing period products to like fight period poverty. Happening in Wolverhampton at like the Sunbeam, which is right by the station. So you've got no excuse. And it's like a 20 minute journey. Yeah, don't go into Wolverhampton. That's like the first. I would go Sunbeam, then get out as soon as you can. <laughs> ha 
hashtag feminism. Thank you so much. What's your name? Imogen. And they're packing period products tomorrow in Wolverhampton. What time? At 11. 11 till 1. But you can go any time in that window. And you, it's, a, it's a, how long is it from Birmingham to Wolverhampton on the train? 20 minutes. 20 minutes, Robert. It's nothing, is it? Do you live in Birmingham, Robert? Great. Do you have a car, Robert? Yeah, of course you do. You could give some women here a lift down to do that, actually. And they wouldn't need to get the train. That would be a thing you could do for feminism. What are you meant to be doing in the morning, Robert? You're just lying in. You're just lying in. Not anymore. Um, so, so, Samantha? Imogen, Imogen, sorry. I'm, I'm quite named dyslexic. Like I kind of, I have these mnemonics I have to do and stuff like that. But if I'm talking to someone, I think I'm talking about them, etc. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I thought of you as Samantha, but it wasn't Sex and the City. Um, so Imogen, uh, how are you getting there? Are you going on the train? I live there. Oh, you live there. Oh, so when you say don't go into Wolverhampton, you, from personal experience, that is okay. Don't, you're, you, yeah. So you, you're, you've come here for this. Okay, who else has come from somewhere else? Turns out not many Birmingham people in. Everyone is from somewhere else. No, that's not true. Just give us a cheer if you're actually from Birmingham. Just give us a cheer if you're from not Birmingham. So where are you from? Um, Dulford. Dulford. Telford? Telford, yeah. I've just interpreted that in my head. I think that was Telford. Telford? Yeah, I I know. I've been to Telford. Yeah? Genuinely. No, it was, um, it was when I was a Jehovah's Witness and uh, there was a man called Callum who lived in Telford. He probably knocked on my doorway. He probably knocked on your door? Yeah, he will have. He will have. Telling you that Armageddon's coming and unless you change, you're going to be killed in a terrible God accident. You're not going to be. It's never happened. They keep promising it doesn't come. There's been a number of soft launches. It's never, never amounted to anything. I wouldn't worry about it. If, and if Armageddon does come, I reckon it'll miss t- past Telford right by. It's going to hit. The, it's going to hit the big ones, isn't it? It's not, God's not going to be like. It's not going to be like. Oh, I've got to do Telford. It's like he's going to go after the evil places like London. You know, like like not that everyone in London's evil. I'm from London and I'm amazing. The WhatsApp group is now called Holy Relic, but. <laughs> You started it, but, but, I mean, I might have it altered, just, it's not, I haven't had a baby, there's nothing wrong with it, I'd just be interested to see, just be a fancy a change. Um, it's just not a fresh coat of paint, isn't it? It's just like, you know, you home, sometimes you think, oh, I'm a bit sick of this sofa, and can't afford a new sofa, get some new throw pillows, you know, freshen it up, paint that wall a different colour, that kind of thing. So, something like that, I'm thinking. Down there, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. What about what about you, normal midwife, regular midwife, standard? What would you do? Hmm. Of a jazzle, you're recommending. Didn't know midwives did for jazzles, but interesting information. Uh, but you, your advanced midwife uh, was, you know, special special ops. <laughs> what would you do if I came to you with a perfectly intact vagina, but just thought fancy to change? What would it look like? What would, what, what would you suggest? It's got to be better than a vajazzle because she's getting paid less than you and she's offered that like that. But are your friends, if your friends are making recommendations, are they in the same business? Because, I, I mean, if she's in interior design, actually, I'm interested in the collaboration. What were you thinking? What would you say? Doll's head. 
What, attach a doll's head? I feel that would be off-putting for sexual partners. They go down there and they're like... Is your vagina also a Barbie? That's a whole, whole new take on the Barbie dream house. Slash camper van. Um, all right. Are we ready for the second half of The Guilty Feminist? Our first comedian, uh, she's an absolute favourite of mine, and I know she'll be a favourite of yours too. Put your hands together and make incredible Guilty Feminist Birmingham welcoming noises for the wonderful Catherine Bohart! Get too close to the speakers. <laughs> How exciting! How are you? Are you well? Good. Hello, I'm Catherine. Delighted to be here. I am a lady who dates ladies. Okay. Thank you for supporters in. Fascinating. Um, I am. It's easy enough to tell you because I don't know you, and my dad's not here, so we're grand. Um, but I will say, I, I, lockdown was a tough one because I, I was broken up with by my partner. Now I took the breakup badly. I took it badly. Um, partly because I think people are bad at dealing with us when we're single women in our thirties. People don't know how to deal. People talk to you a lot like you're a prisoner. Do you ever get this? People say a lot of the time, what an amazing opportunity to work on your relationship with yourself. Now, I, yeah, I reject the premise. I don't think you are in a relationship with yourself. I don't think you can have a relationship with yourself. I don't think there's such a thing as a relationship with yourself. It's not a relationship. We know it's not because in relationships, people can leave. You can leave. If you're not able to leave, it's a prison. You're in a prison, yeah? And we know it's a prison because people ask prisoners and women in their 30s who are single the exact same questions. Nobody else gets asked nearly as much, would you try a pottery class? I can't make any more bowls, Laura. It's a prison, yeah? It's a prison. Also, I think I took the breakup badly because I was too invested in my relationship. I was trying to figure out, on reflection, you know, I had some time to think about my crimes in the prison, and I was in the prison longer than I should have been because of lockdown, so I couldn't leave the house, and so I had to spend some time with myself. Now, I had no intention or desire to spend time with myself. I don't like to be alone. I was Irish, and then I moved to London to be a clown. I have never lived with fewer than seven people, right? <laughs> I had no desire to get to know myself. Very happy to die an enigma to me. But... I had to get to know myself, and the consequence is, turns out, I'm a very difficult woman. <laughs> to be with, actually, that's what I figured out. Quite an intense lady, actually. I'd hang out with me for an evening, not sure I'd move in. But there I was, reflecting on myself, and it occurred to me how I'd been in the relationship, and that is quite, I know this is shocking, intense, I think. No gasps. Okay, and... Um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out why I was so intense and then it turned out to me like that I basically had met my partner six years ago right and was like oh you're nice how about I be your mom <laughs> assistant manager PA chef cook cleaner best friend sister lover in that order and she was like oh no thank you just one girlfriend please and I was like I'm so sorry the terms are non-negotiable so then she was like, what? And then I spent the next five years initially quietly and then quite loudly becoming resentful that none of those positions were paid. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out why it was this, why am I like this? Why do I love this way? And I realized it's because it's the only way I know how. It's the way all Irish women love, which is via martyrdom. <laughs> 
any Irish woman who loves you will show up at your house and be like, I will give you everything. I will keep no love for myself. I will give you everything. And when you take it, when you take it, because you will take it, I will accuse you of theft. So, <laughs> we're just intense gals, right? And I was trying to figure out where, where it started as well in the relationship. I think very early, it turns out, because I was the kind of person who, I grew up as a teenager not feeling very attractive. So I don't know if you have this, give me a cheer if you can relate. But when I got to my 20s, having felt unattractive, and people were willing to fuck me, <laughs> oh my God, I was so grateful. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> yeah, like high self levels of gratitude, like thank you so much, like just. So excited. And I'm going to tell you a story now that, frankly, I'm not sure I've earned your trust enough to tell. Um, but I want to start by saying, not proud. I'm not proud of the story I'm telling you to tell you where I was at the start of this relationship, right? Which is too eager to be loved in that thankful place. Can I have the endorsement of the room that you know that I'm not proud? Okay, thank you. One woman in the second row. I will absolutely take it. Thank you. So... I met my ex at a party, a house party, about six years ago, and we were flirting. And she was telling a story about how her then ex-girlfriend had a clip piercing. You've gotten very quiet. <laughs> and actually, I envy that silence. I wish I'd been quiet. <laughs> yes, crossing your legs, also a valid response, Laura. Um, yeah, I could have also asked which part they pierced. Great question, it is confusing. I did none of that. I didn't even say, huh. What an odd story for you to be telling at this house party. <laughs> All of that would have been perfectly valid. Instead, what I did, I remember as a sort of out-of-body experience, because eager as I was to be loved, I saw this as, an, as a moment to rival the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and so instead I did this, I said, um, oh, but like, <laughs> uh, don't we all have body piercings? <laughs> Birmingham, I didn't. Are we clear? <laughs> I didn't. And so she understandably said, oh, what do you have pierced? <laughs> so I said, <laughs> uh, nipple. <laughs> I didn't. We're clear? Yes. <laughs> Which means that when we met him for sex a week later, I had to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to, I chose to <laughs> take myself to the then very large top shop on Oxford Street in London, I don't know if you remember it, to the basement and had my right nipple pierced. <laughs> One person cheering, thank you. And truly, I feel like you're all being very judgmental and I told you I wasn't proud. <laughs> Worse still, I had to go to the sex <laughs> and act like that was an older more comfortable piercing than it actually was. So to be like, yep, have a talk of that. <laughs> and I want to be clear before I finish, the message of that part of the, my stand-up is not that you, must, like, you shouldn't lie. Sometimes people misunderstand. You, you must lie. If you want someone to love you, of course you're going to have to lie, yes? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, lie smaller. Yes? Especially if it's a dude. Like, yeah, I love Wes Anderson movies. Or no, of course I don't have any pubes. Reasonable, <laughs> sustainable lies. Honestly, feel like you trust me less than you did at the beginning. But thank you for having me. I'd be Catherine Bohart. See you in the next one. Hi, Catherine Bohart, that was hilarious. I had no idea that you uh, 
Um, Got my nipple pierced for yeah. a lady? Yeah. I have many secrets, Deborah. Many secrets. I mean, not, that's obviously not your spiritual badge, but sure. <laughs> I lean a little heavier to the right. I feel like this podcast wanted me to say left, and I, it wasn't meant to be politically. Yeah. <laughs> no, I go left, so if you go right, that works. Okay, perfect. I don't want to be that in this scenario. Um, has anybody else had their nipple pierced? Give me a cheer. Oh, fine. Then what was with the judgment? Where were you when I was out here alone? Just give us a cheer if you've got any piercings other than ears. Oh, they're all fully holed. <laughs> Perforated, this audience. Give us a cheer if you've got any tattoos. Sure, if you've got a feminist tattoo. Oh, what's your feminist tattoo? Just anyone. Any one of the people that cheered? I have a pride flag. You have a pride flag. That counts, yes. You have a what? I have a pride flag. A pride flag. Where is it? Um, it's from my hip down to my ankle. From your hip down to your ankle, so that's going to be awkward to show us. Yeah. It's, a, it's a waterfall pride flag. Great. Hip, hip to ankle. Hip to ankle pride flag. That must have taken a while. How long did that take? Three or four hours. hours. You didn't think by the time you got to me, they'd get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd get to me and go, she's gay. (laughs) Anybody else got anything else? I love it. I love it. And I'm thrilled for you. And I want one too. I, I don't really, I'm too, I'm too scared of the needle and I just think, I just, I'm just never sure what, what I wouldn't regret because when I was 21 I would have had Jehovah tattooed on me if that was allowed in the religion that I was in, which it wasn't. You could just get no regrets. Oh, that's should I regret a, this tattoo. Exactly. Set tattoo. Does, um, does anyone have an unfeminist tattoo? Oh, oh, Robert. <laughs> Robert, do you have an unfeminist tattoo? Beth, what does he have? He's, he's an art dealer. He's fancy. He doesn't have tattoos. Art dealers don't have tattoos, unless they're Banksy's. What do you think the least feminist tattoos are? I think it's dolphins. Why? Come on. Sorry, no, I, was, I was backing up. And I was like, sort of, this feminist is reversing. <laughs> and I nearly fell over. Anybody else got a feminist tattoo? Yeah, what have you got? It says not yours on a bum. Nice. On your, on your bum. On your, your, your bottom, it says not yours. It, interesting that, isn't it? Because there are situations where you might want to go, no, no, yours. No, no, that's, just, that's not for you. No, 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 it's for Well, I quite like the idea that it's like, I'm lending you this. It's not for keeps. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, that's good. But say you, say, like, I don't know, you got into bed with someone like Harry Styles. Ex- you might... Um, Is he wearing well, a skirt? Yeah. Okay, good. I think you might, in brackets, want to quickly tattoo, except you, Harry. No, she had to play it cool with Harry. He must have everyone fawning over him, getting it tattooed on quick. Yeah, that's true, actually. You know I, I mean? bet Harry Styles is attracted to women who don't really care about Harry His Styles. His tattoos say, like, Slash. whatevs. Yeah, you go, what? Absolutely. Okay, not yours. I like that. I like that. Yeah, me too. My friend got the name of her boyfriend tattooed on her, and I went, but what if you break up? And she said, I'll just put underneath, is a cunt. (laughs) I always feel sad when 
cunt is used as a pejorative. Well, we use dick yes. as a pejorative. Yeah, the woman who with the pride flag agrees, obviously. Come on. <laughs> we get it, it's to your ankle. But I just... <laughs> she, she's very proud of that tattoo. Stop mocking her. She'd want to be proud. It's full leg. I, that's I'm just saying. I think it's lovely. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. No, clear, just... clear messaging. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, have you got what have you got, have you got I don't have any tattoos I have full coverage with my freckles and a very stern Irish mother <laughs> just give us a cheer if you would have a tattoo except for your mum woo yeah that's a lot of people what would you get if it wasn't for your mum probably washer like watercolour flowers all over my back watercolour flowers all over your back thank god for your mum <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you were a little bit too proud of the pride flag, but I can't get some flowers? Yes. For fuck's sake. No, you can have whatever you want. Have I can't, because she's a terrifying woman, and she would, she would kill me. No, okay. She'd That's... skin me, and then she'd kill me. She'd flay the tattoo off yeah, your back? Yeah, 100%. Has she made that clear? How old do you think you have to be before you just go, Mum, this is me, and also just not take your top off in front of her? But neither of those are options. I said she's Irish. What's the question? No, okay, no, no she, she, my mother thinks that she, um, while, I, while I'm not anybody's, I am hers, because she made me of her body. <gasps> That's a good idea. Why don't you get not yours tattooed on your bum? <laughs> including you, Mum! Exactly, including you, Mum. <laughs> but the thing is, I do kind of understand where she's coming from. She's like, as I made you, you were perfect. Mm. It's a bit godlike. <laughs> don't fuck with it. Also, to be fair, I'm as non-committal as you. Such bisexual energy. We're like... <sighs> Who could possibly decide? Yeah. And then stick to it and then still want it in six years? Nah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even feel that way about people. It doesn't seem right that I'd stick. Nah. Yeah. No, I do see that. Also the pain. Oh, no, I like the pain. Do I like. You? I get pierced a lot. Mm. <laughs> I think that's different, though, because the pierce is one quick prick. <laughs> which is also a Sometimes, great tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, one quick prick is sort of bracing, but it's the sustained pain. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like a bikini wax because... You like a bikini yeah, wax? Yeah, it makes me feel alive. I it, do know what you're saying. Like, but for it's me, what, of... what makes me feel alive about a bikini wax is the judgment. You Just... are so Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shame I revel for it. I it's not it. the shame, but it is the judgment. They can never not react. Oh, to the area. There's always some comment, and I live for it. What do they say? <laughs> I'm just like, been a while. <laughs> or um, does that hurt? Like she thinks you're some sort of weakling? Mm. Or just like, yeah, there's, just, there's nothing like somebody ripping the hair out of your vag then going, oh, keep it together. And you're like, oh my God, I love it. Just me? Okay. The same person every time. Do you see a very mean... She's quite a stern her? woman, yeah. Is, is, do you go to her because she's like your mother? That sounds it's like my mother. It's my mother. <laughs> your mother does your bikini wax. Yeah, because she made it, so she wants to make sure it's perfect. <laughs> wow. Wow. I got top marks. I've had a couple of bikini wax stories. One is I got top marks after the lockdown because uh, she came in and she said... She comes um, to your house? Um, yeah, she comes to my house. And why is that now? You just wouldn't want to have... I like to go to their place of work. I don't want it to be associated with my... I don't want that level of, like, shame in my home. Oh, I see what you mean. No, no. Well, there's a lady that comes to the house, and I like that, because then you're sort of, you know, you're not in kind of come, you know... Anyway, she comes to my house, and, I mean, that makes me sound very fancy now, but I think they get more money if they come to the house because they're not working in the salon. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I I envy your fanciness. That's great. Have them over. (laughs) By all means. Anyway, the point is, I got an A-star 
because she looked down and she said, now, I've seen it all post-lockdown. She said, I've seen it all because, of course, people are doing home, home waxing and home shaving and blah, blah, blah. She said, I have had... Now, listen, can I just say... I'm so sorry, don't you know your name? Midwife with the fancy qualifications. What's your name? Jenny. Jenny. Okay, Jenny. Um, I don't know if you... Well, I don't know why I was saying this to you now, but I feel like it's like, <laughs> you must have seen it all, I guess. I don't know if this is a similar situation... Well, I guess people didn't stitch up their own... No. It's not a similar situation at all. I think I had a good line. Stop to ask your name, forgot the line. So we let that out of the podcast. No, no, by all means, go down the rabbit hole where you think people birthed their own babies and then sewed up their own vagas because... <laughs> did, did, you ever, did someone in lockdown sew up their own and then sew it shut accidentally or anything like that? They're a bit lost after difficulty, so that's not funny. Stop mocking it. I, okay. okay, yeah, no, that's bad. And also, I genuinely hoped you'd tell Deborah no, but you're not saying that, and it's worrying. <laughs> okay, let's edit all of that yes, out. Pretend sure. it never happened. <laughs> okay, what she said, she looked at mine and she went, I've seen it all. She said, I've seen everything post-lockdown. She said, I've seen, you know, everyone's done their own thing. And she said, I've really had to manage some disasters. And it's just been, my job has become so much more difficult because I'm, she's trying to undo bad work. She's trying to work around things that should Is never Is there no waxer patient confidentiality? Well, she didn't name names or give addresses. But, <laughs> but she See, said... See, I knew they were judging us and I fucking love it. She said, you are the best I've seen because you haven't touched it. She said, you, she said There's not, you've not plucked a hair. You've le- clearly not looked at it. You've not used it. It's, it's box fresh. That's um, she said, you've just let it grow wild. Um, almost like a, it was like an allotment, you know. Sure, if, you're yes. not, if you're not near it during lockdown, you couldn't have got there. Let the you know, wild that kind of flowers thing. grow. Yes. yes. I mean, you could have had a tattoo of it on your back. You would have loved it. <laughs> and she came in. It would be an honour. But I don't know if I would do religious idolatry on my back. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the holy relic. <laughs> But interestingly, now on the WhatsApp group, Holy has been, uh, the, the Holy has now been spelt H-O-L-E-Y. You think that's shocking, do you? Relic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah, she liberally poured hot wax all over, and I said, I know I enjoy, I enjoy the pain of bikini, which I've been waiting for this moment, I didn't want to touch it myself. I do, I do. I, it, it makes me, it gives me a thrill, it makes me feel like I'm ready to fight the patriarchy. They go, I go, yeah, right, normally, normally. If you have had not had hot wax poured on your genitalia for a year, you have lost your resistance. Yeah. You have lost your resistance to the pain. I did not know that that could happen. Also, because it's run wild, there's sort of just wax everywhere, wax in every crevice, and it really, really was just... It, it was... I should have... I should have had it done at the hospital at the ER. I should have gone to A&E for it. Because it was just wax everywhere being ripped off. I was screaming with the pain. I was like, it's not normally like this. The heat was much hotter. It was, I didn't realise. You lose your resistance. And I, I was just like freaking out. And the wax was in places it shouldn't have been. And it was all, you know, I should have trimmed it better before. Where was like, it? What was that? Where was it that it shouldn't have been? When it just went in everywhere. It was just not normal. And the worst thing is, if you fall out with a person who's down there, if you start going, no, it shouldn't be like this, and they go, well, I'm a professional, I'm doing my job, it gets very awkward if you have a moment of tension. You and don't fight with the woman who's waxing no. your back. No, I didn't fight with her, but there was just tension. You know, there was tension where there shouldn't have been tension because she was down there, and then, then it gets... Then you have to come back from the tension. Yeah, to be but fair, she, I don't let my mum do it if she's had a fight with my dad. <laughs> it's just not... They'll take it out on you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I am... Um, 
I actually was so nervous about it that I looked up getting laser hair removal. And um, so I rang woman about that and she took my name and phone number and home address and email address, which I thought was a bit intense. And then she said, um, what body part are we talking? And I'm a 33-year-old Irish woman, so I practiced it in the mirror, but I still said my... And, um, and, then, uh, and then she said, once we figured out which body part, she said, what style are you thinking? Style? Yeah. Style? Uh, yeah. Style? Indeed. Like what? a barber's, right? I said, what, what's available, please? And then this woman spoke to me more intimately than most sexual partners have ever mm. about a thing she's, she kept, I think she termed herself as degrees of lip exposure. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's like a, like a, you would think it's more of like a bearded men's issue. But, um, <laughs> so we settled on a style because you couldn't just order like pubes of the day or whatever. <laughs> I tried. And then, um, you have to go while I can't. You have to you, know oh, what you Well, apparently. And then she says to me, okay, Catherine, last question. Can I ask you what colour the hair mm. is? Now, I sound like this, I don't usually have to say, so I said, oh, I'm a redhead. And then she said, oh, I'm so sorry, it's a ginger-free zone. Mm. <laughs> so I, I knew like, that. I could see this I'd, coming. I'd, I'd, well, you could have told me. I was like, I'm sorry, am I being bullied on the telephone? Like, what's happening here? I could pay, like... And then she goes, no, no, you don't understand. Laser's about contrast, so you have to have dark hair on light skin or we can't do it. Um, so I'm afraid it is a ginger-free zone, la, la, la. I was like, well, it begs the question why well, you'd first start by asking me my name, phone number, home address, email address, and frankly, like, aspirational vaginal aesthetic. <laughs> but then I was talking to my mom, and she was like, yeah, but to be fair, if you called up and she was like, you sound a bit Irish, are the pubes red? It's like, that would be weirder than hello. Yeah, so... Discrimination. There's no real winning, yep. There's no real winning. Well, listen, speaking of no real winning, feminism has been taking a drubbing, you know, given the government we've got uh, and everything that's been going on around the world and, you know, the challenge to Roe versus Wade, we've been having a very difficult time. Um, Boris Johnson, I don't know if you just saw, he's changed the rule where if uh, a prime minister or cabinet minister... Uh, contravenes the ministerial code they have, they're have they obliged to resign or be fired. He's decided that's not a good rule. Now he's in loads of trouble. So today he's just changed it. He's gone, you don't now. Oh, but Deborah, 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 he could if he wanted to lower his own salary. Up to him. No, he, do, he can't because he's got 12 children to different mothers. And <laughs> he, can't, he can't afford the children he's got, much less the ones that he's probably, you know, conceiving at the moment. It's absolute madness. The people have gone really, they really didn't want that image. Um, I'm sorry. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. 
From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com We have a brilliant guest for you, which I think, and she's talking about something I think is very, it's kind of uh, both something we need to know about but also uplifting. Our guest today is a dancer and aspiring arts journalist. Her main research focus is intersectionality and diversity within dance, particularly in classical ballet. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Priya Gupta. Hello, Priya. It's absolutely wonderful to have you here. Hello, thank you for having me. Really right now. Oh, listen, I'm so delighted to have you. You are a local Birmingham feminist and you are a dancer. You have just finished your degree in dance and you did a dissertation. Can you tell us what the dissertation is on? So it was on what is the place of commodity in discussions of race within classical ballet. And so what does that mean? What does commodity mean? <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of people ask. So I guess the way I'm taking commodity in this dissertation is the idea of, in ballet, you don't see many women of colour, you don't see many men of colour, and when you do see them, are they only there to tick that box of, we are diverse? Right, so they're not systemically changing the problem. No. They're just going, oh, we forgot to make any black or brown ballet dancers famous. Quick. So let's do that quickly, yeah. So they quickly. So have you experienced that as a dancer? Yes, so I started dancing when I was three years old and I do graded examinations, I've competed over the country, I dance with the English Youth Ballet and when I danced with them, I was the only brown person out of 150 people and I just... You You were the only brown person in 150 people? Yes. Um, At the auditions there weren't many women or men of colour and then I was the only one that got in and I just remember thinking at the time that I feel great to be here, and this is a great opportunity, but at the same time, there's no one else that looks like me. I'm, I'm a brown person wearing pink ballet tights, pink ballet shoes, feeling a little bit, a bit out of place. Like, maybe, I, maybe everyone's looking at me and thinking, she doesn't belong here, was she the wild card? And that's, that, that can be quite debilitating mm. if you're walking into a dance space every time, and you just say, why am I doing this? But I love ballet, so I... I just kept doing it. And then it wasn't until I took a step back and thought about it and realised that, am I only in that room to tick the box? Or am I really, am I seen as everyone else is seen? But even if you're not, you're going to feel that way. Or, flip side, in an intense pressure to sustain a level that is almost unsustainable over a career of perfection. Like, I feel like that's what surrounds Misty Copeland. It's an ex- expectation that she be the perfect example for all black women who might enter ballet and she really carries that weight on her shoulders if we don't know prima ballerina for the american yeah world, american ballet yeah theater. yeah um and it's just they hold her up as a sort of like see we fixed it and you're like oh, all of the other swans look pretty pasty um and she does have this huge weight on her yeah, right so they're putting the pressure on women of color of men of color to say okay if you think there's a problem you fix it we're yeah. not going to fix it we're going to get you to, but then that puts an insurmountable amount of pressure on those people. Yeah. So can you tell us what they're doing at Ballet Black? So Ballet Black is a company in London, and it's the only company that exists that hires only black or brown dancers. And they're a very small company. They only have eight dancers, and they're actually hiring a few more now in an audition process. 
but they don't do any of the classical ballets. You won't see the Nutcracker, Giselle, Swan Lake, because they don't believe that they're, a, they're modern ballets anymore. They don't reflect the society that we live in now. So they commission all their own work. It's all brand new. They work with choreographers and their artistic director choreographs too. And then they tour locally and around the world in smaller theatres to make it more accessible because that is another problem with ballet is that it's quite expensive to train, it's very expensive to go and see it, it's expensive and it's not sustainable if this continues then not enough people are going to be able to get into it, I mean a tutu is about £250-£300 yeah. Is it? Yeah, yes. when I was competing I had my own and they're expensive yes. and then you only wear it a few times because you just wear it for those two minutes of your dance while you compete And you have to pay for it? Yeah, I bought, I bought my own. It, we call it the pancake. It sits at home. It's massive, massive wow. pancake and it lives on the floor. And, and, and so what you're saying is that it can, ballet can be very inaccessible. Yeah. What's Birmingham? Uh, it's Birmingham is it Birmingham Royal Ballet or Birmingham City yes, Ballet? Yes, so Birmingham Royal Ballet, their new artistic, artistic director is um, Carlos Acosta. And I don't know if you know him, he's a Cuban ballet dancer and he came from a background of poverty and in Cuba and didn't really have much. So he is trying to bring about change and make it more accessible and also create works that are more exciting and more reflective of today's society. And he's trying to create schemes where you don't need to have the funding, you don't need to have the economic stability to be able to get into ballet and provide that for people who have the talent but maybe do not have the economic funds or perhaps come from a family or parentage or ethnic minority group where ballet is seen as perhaps shameful and not a good career choice. I mean, the amount of times I've been asked, do you study medicine? If I got a pound for every time I was asked that, I'd be a millionaire, I tell you. So, so I you just, don't study? No, okay. no, no. Another <laughs> pound in the bank. <laughs> and I just think that with that, when you get asked that question, you almost then feel shameful to say, no, I study classical ballet. You feel a bit... You feel a bit so like saying that they think, oh, but that's a really short career. But actually, you should do something that you enjoy. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what ethnic minority you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are or anything. You should be able to do what you enjoy. But if it's not accessible, then how are you going to do it? Mm. And if you're not encouraged, and you're not, and you're not see, if you don't see people growing up that look like you in that field, you never think you can do it. Mm. Yeah, artistic risk is is a privilege at the moment, and it shouldn't yes. be. It really shouldn't be. Also, ballet, I do it and have done it my whole life, but from a different space. So, like, I was I never, never the body type, and never, and we'll talk about that in a second, but never, like, I'm a flat-footed little in, turned-in duck, and that's fine, but I absolutely adore it and always have since I was young. Um, and I don't think that people are encouraged to just do ballet for for fun because it's seen as such a strict endeavor but it can be really powerfully useful and like for your posture but also just like it's joyful I would never listen to that kind of music ever in my whole life if I hadn't um studied ballet and it was just but but and and I you know came from a place where I had to have a grant to go to a I went to like a ballet summer camp it sounds so ridiculous but um but but what I was going to ask was actually that one of the problems was this and I think it ties to race, of course it does, but the idea of an ideal body type. Yes. Like Misty, I feel like, is the per- perfect example of like conforming just enough to white standards well, of beauty. there is the argument that the 
The ballet body was created by George Balanchine and it's meant to be tall, thin, elegant, thin to the point of alarm specifically, and it's quite dangerous, that image. But Misty Copeland defies that in that she is muscular, yeah. she has muscles, and the ballet world doesn't like you to have that. They like you to be so elegant that you could snap your ankle at any moment. Yeah. And that is becoming problematic because that is why it's such a short career because dancers then get injured. So Misty Copeland... Or don't eat. Yeah. Um, but also there's no, but there's no fat bodies in ballet, really. No, no they don't. But I feel like that it, they're not inclusive, are they? It's no. not an inclusive space and they're not saying... It's for everyone, and they need to change that because any body type can do ballet. They yeah. are changing it now. They're, they're not, I mean, not the mainstream, but there are uh, defiant companies yes. who, which are saying, no, we're going we to dance with the bodies body. we've got. Yes. And some of them, you know, incredible. incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and I think the joy, what you were saying about, you know, you may not have the kind of archers that Priya has that means that she can be a professional ballet dancer... You don't, you've told me. Okay, I get oh, it, I don't. No, Jeez, I don't. I don't either, I don't either. I've got flat feet. I'm t I'm, I've but got, I love it. But I love it too, and I only discovered it in lockdown. You know, we, you, you and I aren't going to have Priya's, you know, but, but it doesn't mean we can't love it and really get the joy from it. And I think there's so much in life where we... It's, it's strange that in a cultured society, in inverted commas... Um, to be cultured, you have to listen to opera and watch ballet and, you know, sit and consider a play. And But you don't have to sing or dance or write or do any of those things. And I just think we're such, we're such cultural consumers. And there are cultures where if you're, you know, everyone's a storyteller. Everyone gets up and dances together. Everybody sings. And that's so much healthier for your state of mind. There are, there have been cultures where if you're not an artist, you're seen as depressed. And I think... We need to stop saying, well, these four people can go on a pedestal because we've decided they're the best at it. What does it matter? Like, we should all be singing. And the more your culture sings, the more everyone gets an ear for it. The more your culture dances, the more everybody finds them their dancing self. Um, what, what you told me backstage uh, was, was extraordinary. Um, You're about to do a master's. Yes, so the, the day I got back from Dublin, had a lovely time... And it was really nice. Had a little holiday because I was just graduating. I thought, I'll treat myself. And while I'm there, my master's, I get an email. Your master's has been cancelled. That is basically what it says. That's it. And three days before, I'd been given my unconditional offer. And I was so yeah. excited. I was like, why? I'm set up for the world. I don't have to get a job for another year. Hooray. And what were you going to study? I was going to study professional uh, professional studies performance industry so I was going to further my research into classical ballet and look at what companies are doing more wider scale and I don't know if you know but in the news it broke that all the funding for arts and drama and music and dance has been cut so people who applied through UCAS or applied through whatever means to vocational schools and universities all their degrees have been cancelled and they just got an email. That's what they were reduced to. And especially after the past two years of the theatres being closed and studios being closed, we're now in, living in a world where there might not be any more productions, any more theatre shows, if we're not training those people to professional level standards. So really, the arts is slowly going to disappear unless things change and unless that funding comes back. It's one of the only things this country does really well. Like, we don't make anything anymore, hardly, because... You know, so much industry got cut. 
And one thing we are famous for is performing arts. And how many degrees have been cut? Um, at my university, 138. Wow. And then, I don't know if you know LIPA, the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts, they've just cut some of their courses. And they even provide like a foundation one so you can get pre-professional training. And I know a girl who was accepted onto that. Her place has been, it's gone now. She now has to do another degree in something totally different. Well, is this all part of that? Do you remember that poster a few years ago where there was a picture of a ballet dancer putting her shoes on and the caption was something like, she could go into cyber. It was sort of like cyber security. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it was, everyone took the piss because it was sort of like, it was a government poster going, ever thought of cyber security while you're doing your part of dirt? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, this isn't of no value. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Do you think it's part of this? I mean, do you think that the government have perhaps spent all their money on rosé and karaoke parties? Oh, absolutely. I'm living at the government for this. Yeah. I, don't, I need to get a job now. Oh, it's, it's, it's so dispiriting. Are you looking for a job in the arts? Yes, I am. I really what, am. What kind of job do you want? So I want to go into this research and into journalism and profiling these smaller companies that are out there because they're not getting enough funding. Arts Council England constantly changes the remit of what criteria you need to fit in order to get any funding. And even then, it's only a few thousand pounds, which doesn't sustain a company for a tour. I think that's, it, I, I do actually think arts journalism is such an amazing way to go about it because I don't know if like it's the same in ballet, but in comedy, for example, I've just done a, I'm doing a tour show. I've had seven broadsheet reviews and every single one of them, and it's not, a, it's not their necessarily their fault, but I, I, every single review has been written by a cis straight man in his 40s. And I can only presume that it's the same with ballet, which then means that you, the perspective, the judges, the, the gaze is entirely yes. singular. Yes. Which means, like, of course there's no incentive to bring in a diverse cast because that's not They don't look measuring at it, they're it. only looking at it through their, their lens. Mm. So you need people who are intersectional in order to get a varied amount of voices. Otherwise, you just see it through one person's experience. Mm. You need people with multidimensional layers to their identity. I went to see a show that was an amazing feminist show in London and I was sitting, I was on press night and I saw so many white men reviewers and nothing wrong with, you know, white men and, you know, some of my favourite, David Attenborough's a white man, but <laughs> I, it just, they were all watching the show, full cast of, all the leads were black women and with the women in the audience, they, it's like the roof came off the place, it was a real riot and, you know, not, the reviews were mixed because they were, you know, but they're writing kind of, this isn't really for me and I'm like, that's the subtext of the review is, yeah, it's okay, it's three stars. And I'm like, but the experience we had was five stars, mm-hmm. but it wasn't for them. And until we change the review, you know, it's it because it, it, it matters. Yeah. Who can transfer? Who can talk? All of that matters. That's the name of my tour show. This isn't for you. Because hey. um, I got a review a couple of years ago that said, it was written by a young man who said, um, this might be for queer women and feminists, but it's not for me. Which is just like a mad thing to put in a page, like ever put on put down on. But my point is, um, which which writers should we be reading? Do you think in terms of um, arts journalism, and also which which dance companies should we go see? So mm. I definitely think I don't know if you've heard of Akram Khan, but yes, right. one cheer. I heard one woo. <laughs> yes, thank you. He's got a new production of Jungle Book reimagined, and that is incredible. He's a Katak-based dancer in con- and fused contemporary with that. And that is an incredible show. And Where can we go see that? Right, that's touring currently around the okay, country. Amazing. It was just at the Hippodrome. 
Uh, coming in October to the Birmingham Hippodrome is Akash Odedra, and he's based in Leicester, his company. Again, he fuses Indian-style dance with contemporary, Amazing. and they're a very small company, so I would definitely go and see them. Tickets are available, I've checked. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, obviously, Ballet Black are touring around the country at the moment. They do a lot in London because that's where they're based, but they are coming round, and I've been assured by the artistic director when I interviewed her that they are going to come to Birmingham at some point. Amazing. So watch Amazing. this space for them. Will they also go to Coventry and Wolverhampton? We have people. <laughs> yes, I will, I will ask if they will go to Coventry and Wolverhampton. <laughs> I will you. ask. But I think it's as well. It's just about people can just look and look at their own inner self of their prejudices, their biases, and their stereotyping, and just think before they make a statement because that can sometimes that can affect someone. And if you say it too many times, it will crush that person's confidence. Mm. And they might not do that. So I really think, it's a cliche, but do think before you speak sometimes because you don't know what you're saying and if that's translating the way you think it is to the person. Absolutely. Because it, it can be a cutthroat industry, the arts, and people don't need you then already crushing their spirit when they've already been crushed by their spirit by not getting the audition 50 times over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think also the inverse is true, right? Like, I... I'm not a musicals fan, sorry. Um, I'm sorry, I can already feel like the room's turned. But that's not like an objection to them, they just have never been my thing, but I went, uh, I, was, I went, I was dragged to one by Helen Bauer, and it was the new production of uh, Legally Blonde at the Open Air Regents Park Theatre. And I realised, as I was sat there, it's the queerest show I have ever, ever seen. And the queerest, and what, what was odd about it was I was like, how come musicals are never this gay? Like, musicals. Yeah. Musicals. Musicals. <laughs> this was a camp musical, and that stood out in my mind in terms of, like, in terms of queer representation, in terms of, like, there being a black lead, two black leads, there being trans leads, there being mm. queer relationships evident on stage, there being... I was like... It, and, and the thing was, there was this palpable, and I can't um, speak to your experience, but for me, there was this palpable sense in the air of, like we can see ourselves. People were losing their minds. I have seen the film, but I didn't know the songs, but I was still having a great time. Like, I was just so excited. That's it, Lucy Moss, who co-wrote Six and directed, and yeah. is the youngest female director ever on Broadway. But She's a phenomenal woman. But it's not, like, I think especially with live performance, it is so, when you haven't seen yourself in, like, in a non-stereotypical role, or where you've never, it's never even occurred to you that you could belong in a space, it is profound, and I guess the absence is too. Um, do, is there a case that in ballet that um, non-white dancers are pigeonholed into specific roles too? Yes, so in, in ballet, you've obviously got a lot of the leads and never really anyone of colour. And then even in the, in the chorus parts and in the pas de and everything, you don't really have that because the idea is you're all meant to look exactly the same in that line and all hold the correct line and look as one. So they don't want anyone. They want the same height, same skin colour, same hair colour, same figure. They want you so to be boring. identical. Mm. And that is why Ballet Black don't perform those classics. Mm. It really makes sense. Is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say, Priya? Yeah, I think I said everything. Can I ask one more question? Oh, yes, Catherine, please. Why do you love ballet so much? I think I've just always loved it. I think it looks beautiful. I love the way I feel when I dance it. I love the lines. I love, I love that I can just switch off 
I don't, I don't have to think if that makes sense. I'm a very neurotic person. I'm always stressing about something. And so when I'm dancing, everything else is just disappearing. Um, it's so wonderful to hear you say that. And I know that you've got a big career ahead of you. I am sure you'll probably start your own company or something like that. Uh, as well as uh, writing about it and engaging a whole new audience to ballet and a whole new generation of young black and brown girls, boys and non-binary people into the arts. It's just such a pleasure uh, to speak to you and know you. And we must make a fuss about all these arts degrees that have been cancelled and see if we can uh, do something about it with this government. You know, they just keep rolling on with the joy, don't they? Um, but I've... Absolutely. I just think you're so brilliant and I really want to do more with you. Um, before we uh, close, we've oh, got no. 30 seconds. Well, I have been learning to dance in lockdown, so I want to show you my pirouette yes, so you can you. see. <laughs> Catherine, you've been dancing for let's years, much longer than I me. I have no desire to pirouette, but I do. Can I, can I do one thing? Yeah. I, I think that we talked about how... Um, black and brown dancers get this pressure to change things and I feel like as much as it's so amazing that you're doing what you're doing and holding truth to power and making people evolve you are also carrying this burden of having to change because you care mm -hmm. I just want to say as a person who goes to see the ballet and who loves ballet I think we should all be very grateful to you so thank mm -hmm. you for making it better but I won't fucking fear away you have to do something. You've done ballet so much You've done, I don't do ballet I've done some show tunes and stuff How about I judge? No, you're not joking. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm scared. I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to do something. I do something. it privately in my own room. Okay, all right. Priya, are you going to do something? You don't... You've said in those shoes you can't pirouette. I will, I will fall over. Okay, can you do arabesque? Maybe. Okay, all right, ready? And Stuart, Stuart, who's our tour manager, he was in Starlight Express, and backstage he did a triple pirouette. So what? I think we all want to see Stuart. Yes! Do a triple pirouette. What? Stop on, Stuart. Yes! They want pirouettes, Stuart. You can't. They've applauded now already. They've pre-applauded. Yeah. Stuart, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Stuart. Absolutely. He's taking off his shoes. It's serious business. Stuart Arnold, yes, everybody. Yes. Woo. Yeah. Yes. So, serving feminism day and night, Robert. Behold. Okay. Uh, has anyone got... Can anyone record this? Because I am going to need you to send it to me. No. <laughs> Record it secretly, don't tell him. Okay, ready? They're not, they're not recording. Okay. Okay. okay, all right. He's going to be a pirouette. Okay, ready? Okay. Wow! It's a double! Stuart Arnold, everybody. That's oh, my a God. Now, Is everyone gonna, around? I wish I'd gone first now, because mine's going to be so much worse. Okay. Mine's going to be so much worse. That's fine. He's got the patriarchal advantage. Just do 80% of what he did. It's all you're getting paid for. <laughs> yes, Deborah! Yes, Deborah! Beautiful arms! I'd sooner get a wax on this stage. <laughs> Priya, if I've done something, you have to do something. It's going to be so much better. I'm so excited. Oh, go on. Nice shoes. Okay. Oh, oh my God. 
Okay. Um, this has been so brilliant. I've just loved this. Um, so just for the podcast, we're not going anywhere, but just for the podcast, a big round of applause for Catherine Pohan, everybody. <laughs> and the incredible Priya Gupta. <laughs> we're going to stay here now for the final act. Uh, she is uh, one of my favourite people to watch ever, and that's why I'm staying and not going anywhere. Uh, to close the show, put your hands together and make incredible Birmingham Guilty Feminist welcoming noises for the wonderful Jess Robinson! <laughs> You did ballet, didn't you? Badly. How old were you when you did ballet? Um, I did ballet from the age of about seven. I meant to keep going till I was 18, but the ballet teacher told me that I'd come to the end of my road when I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> 11. This is the exclusionary nature of it. It's madness, isn't well, it? Yeah. How old did you look at 11? Oh, about 40. Okay, no. yeah, yeah, then yeah. fair enough. Um, can you? Are you interested in doing a pirouette slash? Try. Okay, great. Come on, Jess Robinson. It's nobody's pirouette private. My God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest thing ever. What was that? Oh no, that's right. That was a tap dancing pirouette. I can do tap. Yeah, go on. Do that. Nice. No, it's all epic. I, I think I'll probably just stick to singing. This is like it's become like a children's birthday party. On <laughs> By the way, <laughs> we play musical chairs and everyone just jumps up and down. Oh, Sorry, Jess. Do your do your act. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. So, um, well, we've wasted quite a lot of time doing um, pirouettes and tap dancing now. So I'm just going to do what I do best. I'm going to cram as many impressions as I possibly can into a mega mix. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. My boob did actually come out. It's nobody's tip. I don't know what's wrong. No, they're not. And you'll see them in a bit. Um, go on then, Chris. Hit it. i
The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.